Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the second chapter in the Dorim, page 15a. So yesterday we learned an argument in Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda. Says a person says and makes a vow, I'm not gonna sleep. He says, I'm not gonna close my eyes, I'm not gonna sleep today if I sleep tomorrow. I'm gonna fall asleep tomorrow, if I'm gonna go to sleep tomorrow and tomorrow night, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. So Rabbi Huda Marav says, Don't sleep. Because maybe he's going to sleep tomorrow and then retroactively, if he sleeps tonight, he violated his, oh, his vow. Reb Nachman says, no, what do you, let him go to sleep and just make sure tomorrow you don't sleep so you don't violate your vow. But he's saying he's not going to sleep tonight. Additional, I'm not going to sleep tonight if I sleep tomorrow, if I fall asleep tomorrow. Reb Nachman says, you have to be careful. Because maybe tomorrow, because maybe tomorrow is a condition. Condition you're not going to be so careful about. So you're going to fall asleep tomorrow, and then if you sleep tonight, you retroactively violated the vow. If it was the opposite, if he says, if I sleep tonight, I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow, then according to everyone, you're allowed to sleep tonight. Because a person is going to be careful. You're not going to violate your vow. If I fall asleep tonight, tomorrow I made a vow. I'm not going to sleep tomorrow night. So finally, you're not worried. You don't tell them, well, don't sleep tonight, because maybe... Maybe if you sleep tonight, tomorrow you're going to fall asleep and you'll violate. No, but, but a condition, a person's not so careful about a condition. So it's the reverse. If he says, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. If I sleep tomorrow, then we'll worry that tomorrow you're going to sleep. And then tonight, if you're going to sleep, you're going to violate your mission. The second line on the top of 15a. Now we learn our mission. If a person bakes a vow, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to speak. And he says, if he then, it's, it's valid, it's effective, and you will violate, if you violate it, you violate the prohibition of not, of not desecrating your word, your, your vow. So now the mother takes it apart, analyzes. Hey, how is this? How are we talking about it? If you're going to want to say, like we learned, if he makes a note that I'm going to sleep, me have a nidra, is it an oh, is it a vow? But not learn our Mishnah, We learned we learned earlier that there is a um, there's a difference between between a vow and a an oath. What's the difference between the vow and the oath? But we had it earlier in the Gemara. We had it earlier in the Gemara. That if a vow, the vow is an oath is stricter because it applies to something of substance, something not of substance. But a vow could only apply to something of substance. That's what we learn when he says you make a vow, you're not allowed to. Your mouth is not allowed to speak. It has to be on your lips. Or your legs are not going to walk. Or your hands are not going to do. You can't just say, my words. Words, you can make a personal um, you can make a personal oath, but you can't make a vow. A vow means that something is sacred. So, so therefore, sleep is no substance. You can't make a vow, I'm not going to sleep. There's no substance to it. Ella, rather, 
he says, my eyes, I make a vow in my eyes, my eyes, I'm not allowed to go to sleep. They're sacred, I'm not allowed to go to sleep. So the eyes are sacred from falling asleep. If he doesn't give a time, if he doesn't give a time, he just says, my eyes are never allowed to go to sleep. My eyes are sacred, I'm never ever allowed to go to sleep. Then you don't have to give. You don't have to wait any any time. You immediately violate. You give him lashes and you put him to bed. You immediately violated the prohibition. Because if a person takes an oath, I'm not going to sleep for seventy-two hours. Malkinoisa, you beat him. You give him lashes because it's a it's a it's a it's an oath in vain. and put him to bed immediately. And there's no difference in this case between an oath and a vow. You know that he's going to violate it. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible to go for seventy-two hours without sleep. Ella, rather, you have to say the mission is talking about a case where he says, "My eyes are sacred." He makes a vow. My eyes are sacred. I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow night if I'm going to sleep tonight. So the question is, no, you can't. But no, in that case, you can't say that because then it's not a. So the mission says you're not allowed to do that. But you just said that everyone agrees you're allowed to do that. Even Abu Dhabi says in this case it would be allowed. If I say that tomorrow night I'm going to be prohibited, if I fall asleep tonight, he can go to sleep tonight. I'm not worried that if he goes to sleep tonight, then tomorrow night maybe he's going to also fall asleep and violate his vow. No, a person is careful about a vow. If I fall asleep tonight, I made a condition. If I fall asleep tonight, I'm not going to allow to sleep tomorrow. My eyes are sacred from falling asleep tomorrow. That's fine. He won't fall asleep. We're not worried. Ella rather, Pshita, obviously, we're talking, the mission is talking about a case, and he says, If he says, my eyes are sacred from sleeping tonight, if I, go to, if I fall asleep tomorrow. And if he doesn't fall asleep tonight, what are we worried about? If he's not going to fall asleep tonight, then, he, then there's nothing to worry. He says, if I fall asleep tomorrow night, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. So he didn't sleep tonight. So even if he falls asleep tomorrow night, he didn't violate any vow. What does the mission mean he violated the vow? Ella rather, la binanayim. We're talking about that he fell asleep tonight. And therefore, now the condition kicks in. That if he falls asleep tomorrow night, then retroactively, his sleeping the first night tonight is prohibited. And that's what the Mishnah says. You have to be careful. Alma, we see. That's why Alma said the Nayim. We see the Mishnah saying you could go to sleep. Not like Rabbi Huda Merav. Rabbi Huda Merav says you're not allowed to go to sleep. Here the Mishnah saying you could go to sleep, but now it kicks in. Now you have to be careful. The next night you're not allowed to go to sleep because if you're going to go to sleep the next night, you're going to violate. Your oath, because you slept last night. You said if you fall asleep the second night, then you're not allowed to sleep the first night, and you already slept the first night. So you have to be careful not to fall asleep the second night, because if you fall asleep the second night, then you violate the prohibition of, of not desecrating your vow. But you feel Rabbi Huda's refutes Rabbi Huda's opinion, says you're not allowed to go to sleep the first night, because we're worried that maybe 
he'll fall asleep the second night and then retroactively violated his vows. He might answer, no. On the contrary, that's what the mission is telling you. The mission is telling us you have to be careful not to violate your vow and therefore you're not allowed to go to sleep the first night. Exactly what Rabbi Huda says. Because we're worried if you're going to fall asleep the first night, maybe you're going to also fall asleep the second night. And that was your condition. If you fall asleep the second night, then sleeping the first night is a vow, is prohibited. And you're going to come to violate your vow. Vinam Ravina answers, explains the mission a different way. Really, the Mishnah means exactly as it's clearly understood. My sleeping. It's not, not a case where he made a condition. No, he doesn't say my eyes are, are koinim regarding my sleep. And he made a condition. No, he only mentioned sleep. My bayachel, if he says, I'm not going to sleep, so why, why do you violate the vow? You said a vow could only fall on something of substance. You can't make a vow on, on, on uh, I'm not going to sleep. means it's only rabbinically. The rabbi said that even in such a case, even if he just says, I'm not going to sleep, and there's no substance, you should treat it as if it's an effective vow. Hmm. The reason the rabbis made this decree because it's very interchangeable. A vow and an oath are very interchangeable. What if he makes a, an oath? If you say, if he makes a vow, I'm not going to sleep, and then we allow him to sleep, in his mind, he'll confuse it. He won't understand. So he'll come to make, he'll think to himself, even in the case where he makes an oath that I'm not allowed to sleep, he'll go ahead and sleep. What's the difference between a vow and an oath? Because an o- vow, a co- oath is a personal commitment. I am committing myself not to sleep. It doesn't have to be of substance. I'm committing myself not to speak. I'm committing myself not to, not to do anything for you. Or not to walk. That's a personal commitment. That, that, that applies. A vow, it's not me. It's the object becomes sacred like an animal, like a sacrifice. It becomes sacred to me it's over, and I can't touch it. It's prohibited to me. So you, that you can only apply in something of substance. So that's why the rabbi made a decree. So you might ask, do we find such a thing that the, rabbinic, the rabbis made such a decree because vows and, and oaths are interchangeable? You might in, yes. But Tanya, we learn. Things that are really essentially inherently permitted, but people treat it as prohibited. In other words, really it's permitted, but people out of their ignorance, either or, maybe not out of their ignorance, maybe they want to be strict, or they want to protect themselves. So people are strict. You're not allowed to permit it before such people. In other words, he can't tell them it's allowed. Tell them, come on, it's allowed. Or to, 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 to perform something that they consider prohibited, you're not allowed to do it in their presence. In other words, if a person is making a mistake, is out of ignorance, then you can point out his ignorance. Says, listen, you make a mistake, you misunderstood. Your whole underlying assumption is wrong. Your whole presumption is wrong. So you can, you can educate him and, and, and straighten him out. But if a person knows that it's okay, but nevertheless they volunteer to take a stringency upon themselves, but they want to be extra careful, they want to protect themselves, then you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to in front of them, do, uh, you know, uh, um, um, act out. 
uh, or you're not allowed to tell them that, that it's okay. In this presence, you can't treat it as permitted. So things, again, things that are enhances a person's, uh, let's say, he enhances his, his observance. For example, some people fast during the 10 days of truth. Some people avoid wine from the 17th, the three weeks, the whole three weeks. So even though it's permitted, but they take an extra stringency upon themselves. So you're not allowed to drink in front of them to show that it's okay or to, to, to tell them that it's okay. Why not? Don't desecrate his word. In other words, it's like, it's like a, a vow that they made, the stringency that, that they took upon themselves. Right. So he's saying even it's not a real nether, it's not a real oath, I mean, it's not a real vow, but it's a devari, it's a word, an extra stringency. Forbidden to abide. Though he never verbally made a declaration that he's going to do it, but just by the mere fact that you take a good custom and you do it, it's like a verbal declaration. So by Yachal Devari, you can't desecrate his words in front of him. Since he took this extra stringency, this extra commitment, and he knows it's a stringency, so you can't go ahead and, and desecrate it. Mm-hmm. So this is only rabbinic. Surely it doesn't mean biblically. It's not what the Torah means biblically. The Torah is talking about someone who takes a vow. But rabbinically, the rabbis are saying so too over here also. The rabbis say, and that's what the meaning of the mission is, that if a person takes a vow, I'm not going to sleep, even though it's meaningless biblically, it's not something of substance. But the rabbis say it's prohibited. It has to be vocalized, otherwise it's meaningless. So it has to be vocalized. The Gemara is going to continue to challenge Rabbi Huda, Rabbi's opinion. And we learn the mission, the Gemara is asking Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda. We learn the mission, Shat, and then there's Liyad we're going to learn later on in the track that if Tohan tells his wife of a Pesach that you're not allowed to benefit from me until Pesach if you go to your father's house any time from now until, until Sukkot. This. Let's say, let's say he's, he's now in Cheshvah, right? And he tells his wife, if you're going to go to your father's house from now till before next Sukkot, the next, the next 11 months, you're not allowed to benefit from me. Anything from me becomes prohibited to you until Pesach. For the next five months, you're not allowed to benefit from me. So, whole Pesach. If she went to Father's house before Pesach, So then it kicks in. The vow kicks in. She's not allowed to derive any benefit from her husband until Pesach. Whole Pesach. So, what do we see from the mission? If she goes before Pesach, Hasuda, she's forbidden. But Loi Hocha, if she doesn't go to her father's house for Pesach, Loi, she's not forbidden. Whereas if till Pesach she keeps her, she, she doesn't go to her father's house, then she's not forbidden after Pesach. Then, then she's not forbidden, and she's allowed to benefit from her husband, even though there's still a possibility that till Sukkah she may visit her father's house. And then retroactively, retroactively, she wasn't allowed to benefit from her husband from now till Pesach. But we're not worried. No, it's her option. She can choose. 
She can choose to play it safe. You know what? I'm not going to benefit from you till Pesach. And then, if I end up going to my father's house before Sukkah, it's fine. So I didn't, I didn't violate the vow. I didn't, I didn't benefit from you. Or she can choose not to go. And if she doesn't go till Pesach, she can enjoy her husband till Pesach. Okay, I'm not going and I'm going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. But why? Why don't you worry that maybe after Pesach she's going to go to Sukkot and then retroactively everything she enjoyed was prohibited? Not like every Yehuda, we're not worried about the possibility. Don't say, just like in the case where he says, don't sleep tonight. If you're going to sleep tomorrow night, you're not allowed to sleep tonight. So Rabbi Huda, I've said, don't sleep tonight because maybe tomorrow night you're going to go to sleep and you can retroactively, you violated the, the vow. And Rab Nachman says, no, we're not worried. Here we see clearly in the Mishnah, like Rab Nachman, we're not worried. It says clearly, the only time we don't allow her, the only time, the only way we don't allow her to benefit from her husband is if she actually goes to her father's house before Pesach and she triggers the vow, then we don't allow her to benefit from her husband. But if she doesn't go to her father's house, she doesn't trigger the vow, let her benefit, and we're not worried. She's going to make sure not to, not to violate the, the, the vow. She's not going to visit her father's house until Sukkot. Condition was, if you go to your father's house before Sukkot, then until Pesach, you're not allowed to benefit from her. So if she goes ahead and goes to her father's house, then it kicks in right away, then you're not allowed to benefit. But as long as she doesn't go to her father's house, she can benefit from her husband until Pesach. And we're not worried, but maybe the condition, she's going to forget and she'll go to her father's house and retroactively she violated the vow. So we see clearly, not like Abu Merav, we see clearly like Abu Nachman. answers, If she went to her father's house, the mission means like this, if she actually goes to her father's house for Pesach, then it triggers the vow. Now, as a condition, if she visits her father's house from now until the next sukkah, then he triggers the vow, then it's prohibited, and if she benefits from her husband, she gets lashes. Huh. She didn't yet go to her father's house. There's no lashes, there's no biblical prohibition, it's up to her. Biblically, she can benefit from her husband, and then she has to make sure not to go to her father's house. Fine, we can't punish her, we can't penalize her, but rabbinically it's prohibited. The rabbis say, we're worried that maybe she's going to forget about the condition, she'll benefit now, and then tomorrow, before Sukkot, she'll go visit her father's house, and retroactively, she'll... Uh, She'll, uh, one second, just one second. Is that how you want to explain it? Look at the end of that Mishnah. It says, If she visits, the wife visits her father's house after Pesach. She violates, she desecrated the word. If she did not derive benefit from her husband for Pesach, what do you mean she desecrated the word? She didn't desecrate anything. The husband says, you're not allowed to benefit from me till Pesach. If you're going to go, you visit your father's house before Sukkot, okay. So she didn't benefit from her husband, and then she went to her father's house. She never violated the vow. We're talking about a case that she did benefit from her husband before Pesach. And she triggered that vow by going and visiting her father's house after Pesach. Alma, we see Miss Hani, we see clearly... That you're allowed to derive benefit from a husband for Pesach. See, clearly from the Mishnah, not like a good She went ahead and benefited, because you're allowed to benefit. And then she went ahead and violated, and we're not worried. 
keep you, uh, make sure, keep the condition. Make sure, don't visit your father's house for Pesukas, because if you visit your father's house, you're going to retroactively trigger the vow, and it turns out you violated the biblical prohibition. But then she went ahead and she visited her father's house, so she triggers the, the vow. So you see, you're allowed to visit the Tufta de Rabbi Huda, and this is refutes Rabbi Huda, we continue on 15b. Simara answers, no. Kik Tony. And the Mishnah teaches that after Pesach, if she visits her father's house, she violates the prohibition, meaning the Yishanir is That if she went ahead and she benefited, that, that, that if she's going to enjoy herself, on the contrary, the Mishnah is telling us. She's not allowed to enjoy herself. She's not allowed to benefit from her husband up, up until Pesach. Why? Because if she benefits now from her husband before Pesach, and then she ends up going to her father's house, visiting her father's house from Pesach till Sukkot, then it turns out that she violated the vow. And therefore we tell her, don't benefit. That's what the mission is telling us. That if she's going to benefit, that's what we're telling her, don't go to your father's house because if you're going to go then after Pesach you're going to go visit and then it turns out you violated the vow that's what the Mishnah means after Pesach since if you go after Pesach you're going to trigger the vow and you're going to desecrate your vow your word so therefore we tell you now don't benefit from your from your husband up until challenge that Rabbi Huda to not and we learn later on in the tractate in the Mishnah what is the reverse he says this is why before Pesach you're not allowed to benefit from me up until Sukkot if you go to your father's house anytime before, until Pesach so then what do we say in that case if she goes to the father's house before Pesach and triggers the net she's not allowed to benefit from she triggered the vow she's not allowed to benefit from her husband anything up until Sukkot after Pesach she can go the condition was don't go to your father's house up until Pesach but if she doesn't go till Pesach then she's scot free even if she goes after Pesach, there's no vow. The condition was only if she goes before Pesach, then there's a vow. Then she's not allowed to benefit from us. <laughs> so what do we see from this Mishnah? That if she went to her father's house before Pesach, she's not allowed to benefit from her husband from that point on. But if she doesn't yet go to her father's house, there's no prohibition. As long as she doesn't go to her father's house, She's allowed to benefit from her husband. It's only if she goes to her father's house, then the vow kicks in. But if she doesn't go to her father's house, we don't say, well, don't benefit from your husband. Maybe you can end up going to your father's house. There's no such prohibition. So we see clearly, not like Abu Dhamadar, we see clearly like Abnachman, Zimad answers Amadav, and no. Who had the enough? Really, I'll tell you that even if she doesn't go, rabbinically, she's not allowed to. Because we're worried that maybe she'll end up going and trigger the vow. But Holcha Asuda, like the mission is saying, if she goes, then then there's lashes. It's biblically prohibited. Holcha Asuda Balma, then it's only rabbinically prohibited. Another fourth challenge of you, the Maisel asked you a question. We look in the Brayis Kikers Olaya Yehim Melchem Macher Bakim Plain Plain Macher. Person says this bread is forbidden to me today. If I go to such and such a place tomorrow. Today, the prohibition is today, and the condition is tomorrow. If I do something tomorrow, then the vow kicks in today that this bread 
this loaf is prohibited to him. If he eats, if he ate the bread, if he eats the bread, now he has to be careful. Now he has to make sure tomorrow he doesn't go to this place because if he ends up going to this place, it kicks in retroactively that he was prohibited from eating this bread. So what do we see? We see clearly that he's allowed to eat the bread. There's no problem with eating the bread. Go ahead and eat the bread. Just be careful. If you eat the bread, now you're stuck. Now you're limited. You have to make sure tomorrow not to go. We see clearly not like a Buddha Madah says no. Miktani Aichel. It doesn't say the Braizer doesn't say he's a, he should eat it. He says Achel. Really, rabbinically, you're not allowed to eat it because we are worried that if you're going to eat it, you're going to end up walking tomorrow, going to that place and triggering the vow. But we're talking about what if we went ahead and ate it after the fact? After the fact, we tell them now you have to must be careful if not because if you're not careful, you're going to get lashes. But, but, but the Braisa continues if he went to this place the next day then he triggers the vow and therefore he's not allowed his vow kicks in so what do we see from the Braisa the Braisa doesn't say he's allowed to go to the place if he didn't eat, you're saying he's not allowed to eat the bread yesterday. So if he didn't eat the bread yesterday, the Braith should have said, Mahalach, let him walk. It's not what the Braith says. The Braith says he's not allowed to walk. But if. The Braith doesn't say, Mahalach. Why not? The Braith should say, Mahalach. Because we assume he didn't eat the bread yesterday. According to Rabbi Hudamirab, we tell him don't eat the bread. You have to be careful. You have to take you have to take a precaution and not eat the bread. The Braisa doesn't say that. This is only halach. Kasher Rabbi Huda, this is difficult, Rabbi Huda. Because if Rabbi Huda is right that we tell him not to eat the bread, so you should have said mahalach. Go the next day. There's nothing to worry because you didn't eat the bread yesterday. So what do I care if you go? Even if you trigger the vow, I made sure not to violate the vow yesterday. I was careful not to eat the bread. So I'm looking at the word will answer you. No, who I didn't listen. Mahalach. Really, could have said mahalach. You can go. We assume you didn't eat the bread and you're allowed to go the next day. There's no problem. But I did on the day. Since he says in the beginning, the first clause, if he ate the bread that day, if he ate, because he's not allowed to eat. Because we don't allow him to eat. So Tanit Sevala, that's why he also uses the same language. He says if he ate, but really, if he went, but really, he's allowed to go even in this. Okay. It says now Mishnah. What's Takadav? He says, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. If I sleep, tom- if I sleep tomorrow, you tell him don't sleep tonight because maybe you're going to forget that you're going to sleep tomorrow and then the vow will kick in. Unless he says, that, that if I sleep tonight, then I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow. Then we don't worry, according to everyone. We let him sleep tonight, and tomorrow we'll make sure not, not to sleep. Okay, that's the Allah. Even though the Gemara spend all this time trying to refute, but the Gemara can't refute it, and therefore it solidifies the opinion, and that becomes the Allah. Like now Mishnah, someone says to his wife, I'm not allowed to take a habit with you. I vow, I'm prohibited from God. You're not allowed to take a habit with you. I said, the vow is effective. You're not allowed to desecrate your word. Why? He's already committed by biblical law. If you remember, 
we learn clearly, it says clearly in the passage that he's obligated to make sure to, to give pleasure to his wife. That's his primary obligation uh, as a husband. So how could, the, how could the netter take effect? How could it release him from the obligation? You're already committed. So you might answer, When he says that I vow that the pleasure that you get from my body, from me personally, is sacred to you. You're not allowed to. Hmm. He's saying that he doesn't prohibit his wife from him. He prohibits himself from his wife. I am not allowed to benefit from you. I'm not allowed to enjoy you. Hmm. The benefit of, of being intimate with you is prohibited to me. I'm making a vow. I'm going celibate. I, I'm not allowed to benefit from your body from being intimate with you. He's saying, for me, it's prohibited. I cannot engage in intimacy with you. It's my right. He's not overriding her right. She has a right to intimacy, but he's, 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 he's canceling his own right. He's forbidding himself to benefit from enjoying her. Yeah, it's automatically, of course, if he can't enjoy her, automatically it precludes her rights. But the bottom line is, he has no power. He has no power to, to preclude her. He can't make his body holy to her, but he can make her body holy to him. Hmm. says, if a, if, a, if a woman tells her husband, the benefit of my intimacy is, is prohibited to you, we force her to cohabit with him. It doesn't take effect. Because she's under obligation, she's committed to him as part of his marital rights. But if she says, if she tells him, the benefit of your cohabitation is kingdom upon me, she prohibits herself, not him. She doesn't say, my body is prohibited to you. Your body is prohibited to me. Any benefit from you is prohibited to myself. So she's foregoing her own marital rights. Also, even, though, even though by definition, then it means the husband loses his rights. But she has a power to, to prohibit herself. It, it applies. Because you can't feed a person something that's prohibited. Since it's prohibited to him, to her, therefore it's prohibited. One says, really, the question of the Gemara is not a question. Because we already learned. Yes, I'm committed. And therefore you can't make a vow, I mean, you can't make an oath to override a commitment. That's sign that you're already committed to, 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 to pleasure your wife. But an oath does work. Because an oath is on the object. My body is holy and you can't benefit from me. Hmm. Just like the tefillin. I can't, I can't make Kiddush on wine. The wine is sacred to me. But I have an obligation to make Kiddush. I'm sorry. But I, I can't. It's holy. It's sacred. So what's the question of the Gemara in the first place? So the, so the answer is, yes, biblically it's really not. But the rabbis, the rabbis reinforced this commitment. The rabbis said that this marriage commitment, they reinforced it. And they said, you don't have a power to deny her, deny her this thing. So that's what the Gemara answers, that he doesn't say, my body is holy to you. His part of the equation, or her part of the equation, he's saying, my pleasure from you, I'm making holy to myself. He says, my pleasure from you, I'm making holy to myself. I can't benefit. I automatically, as a result, you're not getting your part, but there's nothing you can do. I made it sacred, I make it holy. It was like this. If you say up until seven days, you'll play the game. But if it's more than seven days, the rabbi said, we force you to divorce her and you have to pay her up in full. Um, yeah. 
You want to, you don't want to? Fine, but you can't live with her. You can't expect her to live with a husband who's not going to take care of her. We continue to everyone have a wonderful day. We'll start the Mishnah tomorrow. Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the second chapter in the Dorim, page 15a. So yesterday we learned an argument in Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda. If a person says, makes a vow, I'm not going to sleep. He says, I'm not going to close my eyes. I'm not going to sleep today if I sleep tomorrow. I'm going to fall asleep tomorrow. If I'm going to go to sleep tomorrow and tomorrow night, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. So Rabbi Huda says, don't sleep. Because maybe he's going to sleep tomorrow and then retroactively, if he sleeps tonight, he violated his, oh, his vow. Rabbi Nachman says, no, what do you, let him go to sleep and then just make sure tomorrow you don't sleep so you don't violate your vow. But he's saying he's not going to sleep tonight. Additional, I'm not going to sleep tonight if I sleep tomorrow, if I fall asleep tomorrow. Rabbi Nachman says, you have to be careful. Because maybe tomorrow, because maybe tomorrow is a condition. Condition you're not going to be so careful about. So you're going to fall asleep tomorrow, and then if you sleep tonight, you retroactively violated the vow. If it was the opposite, if he says, if I sleep tonight, I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow, then according to everyone, you're allowed to sleep tonight. Because a person is going to be careful. You're not going to violate your vow. If I fall asleep tonight, tomorrow I made a vow. I'm not going to sleep tomorrow night. So finally, you're not worried. You don't tell him, well, don't sleep tonight, because maybe... Maybe if you sleep tonight, tomorrow you're going to fall asleep and you'll violate. No, but, but a condition, a person's not so careful about a condition. So it's the reverse. If he says, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. If I sleep tomorrow, then we'll worry that tomorrow you're going to sleep. And then tonight, if you're going to sleep, you're going to violate your mission. The second line on the top of 15a. Now we learn now Mishnah. If a person bakes a vow, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to walk, I'm not going to speak. And he says, if he then, it's, it's valid, it's effective, and you will violate, if you violate it, you violate the prohibition of not, of not desecrating your word, your, your vow. So now the mother takes it apart, analyzes. How is this? How are we talking about it? If you're going to want to say, like we learn, if he makes a note that I'm going to sleep, me have a nidra, is it an oh, oh, is it a vow? But not learn our Mishnah, Chaymer Bishwurz, Shashwur, Chalas, Dabash, Yashmir, Mamash, Mamash, and Kim in the Dorin. We learned, we learned earlier that there is a, um, there's a difference between, between a vow and a, an oath. What's the difference between the vow and the oath? But we had it earlier in the Gemara. Yeah. We had it earlier in the Gemara. That if a vow, the vow is an oath is stricter because it applies to something of substance, something not of substance. But a vow could only apply if something of substance. That's what we learn when he says you make a vow, you, you're not allowed to. Your mouth is not allowed to speak. It has to be on your lips. Or your legs are not going to walk. Or your hands are not going to do. You can't just say, my words. Words, you can make a personal, um, you can make a personal oath, but you can't make a vow. A vow means that something is sacred. 
So, so therefore, Mashenkim and the daughter, Mashin, the daughter, Mashin, Mamish, sleep is no substance. You can't make a vow, am I going to sleep? There's no substance to it. Ella, rather, the Makainim, any Mashin. He says, My eyes, I make a vow on my eyes. My eyes, I'm not allowed to go to sleep. They're sacred, I'm not allowed to go to sleep. So the eyes are sacred from falling asleep. If he doesn't give a time, if he doesn't give a time, he just says, My eyes are never allowed to go to sleep. My eyes are sacred, I'm never ever allowed to go to sleep. Then you don't have to give, you don't have to wait any, t- any time. You immediately violate, you give him lashes and you put him to bed. You immediately violated the prohibition. Because if a person takes an oath, I'm not going to sleep for 72 hours. Malkinoisa, you beat him, you give him lashes, because it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an oath in vain. Put him to bed immediately. And there's no difference in this case between an oath and a vow. You know that he's going to violate it. It's not possible, it's not humanly possible to go for 72 hours without sleep. You have to say the mission is talking about a case where he says, My eyes are sacred. He makes a vow. My eyes are sacred. I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow night if I'm going to sleep tonight. So the question is, No, you can't. No, in that case, you can't say that. Because then it's not a problem. So the mission says you're not allowed to do that. But you just said that everyone agrees you're allowed to do that. Even Abu Dhamarav says in this case it would be allowed. If I say that tomorrow night I'm going to be prohibited, if I fall asleep tonight, he can go to sleep tonight. I'm not worried that if he goes to sleep tonight, then tomorrow night maybe he's going to also fall asleep and violate his vow. No, a person is careful about a vow. If I fall asleep tonight, I made a condition. If I fall asleep tonight, I'm not going to allow to sleep tomorrow. My eyes are sacred from falling asleep tomorrow. That's fine. He won't fall asleep. We're not worried. Ella rather, Pshita, obviously, we're talking, the Mishnah is talking about a case, and he says, If he says, my eyes are sacred from sleeping tonight, if I, go to, if I fall asleep tomorrow. And if he doesn't fall asleep tonight, what are we worried about? If he's not going to fall asleep tonight, then, he fulfill, then there's nothing to worry. He says, if I fall asleep tomorrow night, I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. So he didn't sleep tonight. So even if he falls asleep tomorrow night, he didn't violate any vow. What does the mission mean he violated the vow? Ella rather labinanayim. We're talking about that he fell asleep tonight. And therefore, now the condition kicks in. That if he falls asleep tomorrow night, then retroactively, his sleeping the first night tonight is prohibited. And that's what the Mishnah says. You have to be careful. Alma, we see. That's why Alma is the Nayim. We see the Mishnah saying you could go to sleep. Not like Rabbi Huda Merav. Rabbi Huda Merav says you're not allowed to go to sleep. Here the Mishnah saying you could go to sleep, but now it kicks in. Now you have to be careful. The next night you're not allowed to go to sleep because if you're going to go to sleep the next night, you're going to violate. Your oath, because you slept last night. You said if you fall asleep the second night, then you're not allowed to sleep the first night, and you already slept the first night. So you have to be careful not to fall asleep the second night, because if you fall asleep the second night, then you violate the prohibition of, of not desecrating your vow. But you have Rabbi Huda's refutes Rabbi Huda's opinion, says you're not allowed to go to sleep the first night, because we're worried that maybe 
he'll fall asleep the second night and then retroactively violated his vows. He might answer, no. On the contrary, kiktani dinayim. That's what the mission is telling you. The mission is telling us you have to be careful not to violate your vow and therefore you're not allowed to go to sleep the first night. Exactly what Rabbi Huda says. Because we're worried if you're going to fall asleep the first night, maybe you're going to also fall asleep the second night. And that was your condition. If you fall asleep the second night, then sleeping the first night is a vow, is prohibited. And you're going to come to violate your vow. Rabbi answers, explains the mission a different Literally, the, really, the Mishnah means exactly as it's clearly understood. My sleeping. It's not, not a case where he made a condition. No, he doesn't say my eyes are, are koinim regarding my sleep. And he made a condition. No, he only mentioned sleep. My bayachel, if he says, I'm not going to sleep, so why, why do you violate the vow? You said a vow could only fall on something of substance. You can't make a vow on, on, on uh, I'm not going to sleep. means it's only rabbinically. The rabbi said that even in such a case, even if he just says, I'm not going to sleep, and there's no substance, you should treat it as if it's an effective vow. Hmm. The reason the rabbis made this decree because it's very interchangeable. A vow and an oath are very interchangeable. What if he makes a, an oath? If you say, if he makes a vow, I'm not going to sleep, and then we allow him to sleep, in his mind, he'll confuse it. He won't understand. So he'll come to make, he'll think to himself, even in the case where he makes an oath that I'm not allowed to sleep, he'll go ahead and sleep. What's the difference between a vow and an oath? Because an oath is a personal commitment. I am committing myself not to sleep. It doesn't have to be of substance. I'm committing myself not to speak. I'm committing myself not to, not to do anything for you. Or not to walk. That's a personal commitment. That, that, that applies. A vow, it's not me. It's the object becomes sacred like an animal, like a sacrifice. It becomes sacred to me it's over, and I can't touch it. It's prohibited to me. So you, that you can only apply in something of substance. So that's why the rabbi made a decree. So you might ask, do we find such a thing that the, rabbinic, the rabbis made such a decree because vows and, and oaths are interchangeable? You might in, yes. But Tanya, we learned. Things that are really essentially inherently permitted, but people treat it as prohibited. In other words, really it's permitted, but people out of their ignorance. Either or, maybe not out of the ignorance. Maybe they want to be strict, or they want to protect themselves. So people are strict. You're not allowed to permit it before such people. In other words, you can't tell them it's allowed. Tell them, come on, it's allowed. Or to, 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 to perform something that they consider prohibited. You're not allowed to do it in their presence. In other words, if a person is making a mistake, is out of ignorance, then you can point out his ignorance. Says, listen, you make a mistake, you misunderstood. Your whole underlying assumption is wrong. Your whole presumption is wrong. So you, can, you can educate him and, and, and straighten him out. But if a person knows that it's okay, but nevertheless they volunteer to take a stringency upon themselves, but they want to be extra careful, they want to protect themselves, then you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to in front of them, do, uh, you know, uh, um, um, act out. 
uh, or you're not allowed to tell them that, that it's okay. In this presence, you can't treat it as permitted. So things, again, things that are enhances a person's, or let's say, it enhances his, his observance. For example, some people fast during the 10 days of truth. Some people avoid wine from the 17th, the three weeks, the whole three weeks. So even though it's permitted, but they take an extra stringency upon themselves. So you're not allowed to drink in front of them to show that it's okay or to, to, to tell them that it's okay. Why not? Don't desecrate his word. In other words, like it's like a, a vow that they made, the stringency that, that they took upon themselves. Right. So he's saying even it's not a real nether, it's not a real oath, I mean, it's not a real vow, but it's a devari, it's a word, an extra stringency. Forbidden to a bunch. Though he never verbally made a declaration that he's going to do it, but just by the mere fact that you take a good custom and you do it, it's like a verbal declaration. So by Yachal Devari, you can't desecrate his words in front of him. Since he took this extra stringency, this extra commitment, and he knows it's a stringency, so you can't go ahead and, and desecrate it. Mm-hmm. So this is only rabbinic. Surely it doesn't mean biblically. It's not what the Torah means biblically. The Torah is talking about someone who takes a vow. But rabbinically, the rabbis are saying so too over here also. The rabbis say, and that's what the meaning of the mission is, that if a person takes a vow, I'm not going to sleep, even though it's meaningless biblically, it's not something of substance. But the rabbis say it's prohibited. It has to be vocalized, otherwise it's meaningless. So, it has to be vocalized. The Gemara is going to continue to challenge Rabbi Huda, Rabbi opinion. And we learn the mission, the Gemara is asking Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Huda. We learn the mission, Shat, and then there's Liadapes, we're going to learn later on in the track that if Tolan tells his wife of a pace that you're not allowed to benefit from me until Pesach if you go to your father's house any time from now until until Sukkot. This. Let's say let's say he's he's now in Cheshvan, right? And he tells his wife if you're going to go to your father's house from now till before next Sukkot, the next the next eleven months. You're not allowed to benefit from me. Anything from me becomes prohibited to you until Pesach. For the next five months, you're not allowed to benefit from me. So, whole Chalifnei Pesach. If she went to father's house before Pesach, Hasuda Benosi had Pesach. So then it kicks in. The vow kicks in. She's not allowed to derive any benefit from her husband until Pesach. Whole Chalifnei Pesach. So, what do we see from the mission? If she goes before Pesach, Hasuda, she's forbidden. But Loi if she doesn't go to father's house for Pesach, Loi, she's not forbidden. Or if till Pesach she keeps her, she, she doesn't go to father's house, then she's not forbidden after Pesach. Then, then she's not forbidden, and she's allowed to benefit from her husband, even though there's still a possibility that till Sukkah she may visit her father's house. And then retroactively, retroactively, she wasn't allowed to benefit from her husband from now till Pesach. But we're not worried. No, it's her option. She can choose. 
She can choose to play it safe. You know what? I'm not going to benefit from you till Pesach. And then, if I end up going to my father's house before Sukkah, it's fine. So I didn't, I didn't violate the vow. I didn't, I didn't benefit from you. Or she can choose not to go. And if she doesn't go till Pesach, she can enjoy her husband till Pesach. Okay, I'm not going and I'm going to enjoy it. Enjoy it. But why? Why don't you worry that maybe after Pesach she's going to go to Sukkot and then retroactively everything she enjoyed was prohibited? Not like a Yehuda, we're not worried about the possibility. Don't say, just like in the case where he says, don't sleep tonight. If you're going to sleep tomorrow night, you're not allowed to sleep tonight. So Yehuda, when I've said, don't sleep tonight, because maybe tomorrow night you're going to go to sleep and you're going to retroactively, you violated the, the vow. And Rav Nachman says, no, we're not worried. Here we see clearly in the Mishnah, like Rav Nachman, we're not worried. He says clearly, the only time we don't allow her, the only time, the only way we don't allow her to benefit from her husband is if she actually goes to her father's house before Pesach and she triggers the vow, then we don't allow her to benefit from her husband. But if she doesn't go to her father's house, she doesn't trigger the vow, let her benefit, and we're not worried. She's going to make sure not to, not to violate the, the, the vow. She's not going to visit her father's house until Sukkot. The condition was, if you go to your father's house before Sukkot, then until Pesach, you're not allowed to benefit from her. So if she goes ahead and goes to her father's house, then it kicks in right away, then you're not able to benefit. But as long as she doesn't go to her father's house, she can benefit from her husband until Pesach. And we're not worried, but maybe the condition, she's going to forget and she'll go to her father's house and retroactively she violated the vow. So we see clearly, not like Abu Dhamirav, we see clearly like Abnachman. answers, If she went to her father's house, the mission means like this, if she actually goes to her father's house for Pesach, then it triggers the vow. That was a condition. If she visits her father's house from now until the next sukkah, then he triggers the vow, then it's prohibited. And if she benefits from her husband, Malaika, she gets lashes. Huh. She didn't yet go to her father's house. There's no lashes, there's no biblical prohibition. It's up to her. Biblically, she can benefit from her husband and then she has to make sure not to go to her father's house. Fine. We can't punish her, we can't penalize her. But rabbinically, it's prohibited. The rabbis say, we worry that maybe she's going to forget about the condition. She'll benefit now. And then tomorrow, before Sukkot, she'll go visit her father's house. And retroactively, she'll... Uh, She'll, uh, one second, just one second. Is that how you want to explain it? Look at the end of that Mishnah. It says, If she visits, the wife visits her father's house after Pesach. She violates, she desecrated the word. If she did not derive benefit from her husband for Pesach, what do you mean she desecrated the word? She didn't desecrate anything. The husband says, you're not allowed to benefit from me till Pesach. If you're going to go, you visit your father's house before Sukkot, okay. So she didn't benefit from her husband, and then she went to her father's house. She never violated the vow. We're talking about a case that she did benefit from her husband before Pesach. And she triggered that vow by going and visiting her father's house after Pesach. Um, we see Miss Hani, we see clearly... That you're allowed to derive benefit from a husband for Pesach. See, clearly from the Mishnah, not like a good Amirah. She went ahead and benefited, because you're allowed to benefit. 
And then she went ahead and violated. And we're not worried. Keep you, uh, make sure, keep the condition. Make sure, don't visit your father's house for Pesukas, because if you visit your father's house, you're going to retroactively trigger the vow, and it turns out you violated the biblical prohibition. But then she went ahead and she visited her father's house, so she tucker triggers the, the vow. So you see, you're allowed to visit the this is refutes Rabbi Huda, we continue on 15b. Simon answers, no. Kik Tony. And the Mishnah teaches that after Pesach, if she visits her father's house, she violates the prohibition, meaning the that if she went ahead and she benefited that, that, that if she's going to enjoy herself, on the contrary, the mission is telling us that she's not allowed to enjoy herself. She's not allowed to benefit from her husband up, up until Pesach. Why? Because if she benefits now from her husband before Pesach, and then she ends up going to her father's house, visiting her father's house from Pesach till Sukkot, then it turns out that she violated the vow. And therefore we tell her, don't benefit. That's what the mission is telling us. That if she's going to benefit... That's what we're telling her, don't go to your father's house, because if you're going to go, then after Pesach, you're going to go visit, and then it turns out you violated the vow. That's what the Mishnah means, after Pesach. Since if you go after Pesach, you're going to trigger the vow, and you're going to desecrate your vow, your word. So therefore we tell you now, don't benefit from your, from your husband up until challenge to Rabbi Huda, it's not, and we learn later on in the tractate, in the Mishnah, what is the reverse? He says, there's why before Pesach, that you're not allowed to benefit from me, up until Sukkot, if you go to your father's house, any time until Pesach. So then, what do we say? In that case, if she goes to the father's house before Pesach and triggers the nether, she's not allowed to benefit from, she triggered the vow, she's not allowed to benefit from her husband, anything up until Sukkot. After Pesach she can go, the condition was, don't go to your father's house up until Pesach. But if she doesn't go till Pesach, then she's scot-free. Even if she goes after Pesach, there's no vow. The condition was only if she goes before Pesach, then there's a vow. Then she's not allowed to benefit from us. <coughs> so what do we see from this Mishnah? That if she went to her father's house before Pesach, she's not allowed to benefit from her husband from that point on. But if she doesn't yet go to her father's house, there's no prohibition. As long as she doesn't go to her father's house, She's allowed to benefit from her husband. It's only if she goes to her father's house, then the vow kicks in. But if she doesn't go to her father's house, we don't say, well, don't benefit from your husband. Maybe you can end up going to your father's house. There's no such prohibition. So we see clearly, not like Abu we see clearly like Abu Nachman, Zimad answers Abu Dhabi, no. Who Really, I'll tell you that even if she doesn't go, rabbinically she's not allowed to. Because we're worried that maybe she'll end up going and trigger the vow. But Holcha, sort of like the mission is saying, if she goes, then, then there's lashes. It's biblically prohibited. Then it's only rabbinically prohibited. Another fourth challenge of you, the Maisel well asked you a question. We learned the Brayis Person says this bread is forbidden to me today. If I go to such and such a place tomorrow. 
today, the prohibition is today, and the condition is tomorrow. If I do something tomorrow, then the vow kicks in today that this bread, this loaf is prohibited to me. If he eats, if he ate the bread, if he eats the bread, now he has to be careful. Now he has to make sure tomorrow he doesn't go to this place because if he ends up going to this place, it kicks in retroactively that he was prohibited from eating this bread. So what do we see? We see clearly that he's allowed to eat the bread. There's no problem with eating the bread. Go ahead and eat the bread. Just be careful. If you eat the bread, now you're stuck. Now you're limited. You have to make sure tomorrow not to go. We see clearly, not like a Buddha Medah. says, no. It doesn't say, the Braiser doesn't say he's a, he should eat it. He says, Ochal. Really, rabbinically, you're not allowed to eat it because we are worried that if you're going to eat it, you're going to end up walking tomorrow, going to that place and triggering the vow. But we're talking about what if we went ahead and ate it after the fact. After the fact, we tell them now you have to must be careful if not because if you're not careful, you're going to get lashes. But 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 the brayser continues hola. If he went to this place the next day, then he triggers the vow, and therefore he's not allowed. His vow kicks in. So what do we see from the Mahalach The Brayser doesn't say he's allowed to go to the place. If he didn't eat, you're saying he's not allowed to eat the bread yesterday. So if he didn't eat the bread yesterday. The Braithers should have said, Mahalach, let him walk. It's not what the Braithers says. The Braithers says he's not allowed to walk. But if... The Braithers doesn't say, Mahalach. Why not? The Braithers should say, Mahalach. Because we assume he didn't eat the bread yesterday. According to Rabbi Merab, we tell him, don't eat the bread. You have to be careful. You have to take, you have to take a precaution and not eat the bread. The Braiser doesn't say that. This is only Holach. Kasher Rabbi Huda. This is difficult, Rabbi Huda. Because if Rabbi Huda is right, that we tell him not to eat the bread. So you should have said, Mahalach, go the next day. There's nothing to worry because you didn't eat the bread yesterday. So what do I care if you go? Even if you trigger the vow, I made sure not to violate the vow. Yesterday I was careful not to eat the bread. So I'm like, Rabbi Huda will answer you. No, who are they in the list? Really, you could have said, Mahalach, you can go. We assume you didn't eat the bread and you're allowed to go the next day. There's no problem. But I did on the day, since he says in the beginning, the first clause, if he ate the bread that day, if he ate, because he's not allowed to eat. Because we don't allow him to eat. So Tanit Sevala, that's why he also uses the same language. He says, if he ate, but really, if he went, but really, he's allowed to go even in this. Okay, it says now, Mishnah. What's It says I'm not allowed to sleep tonight. If I sleep, tem- if I sleep tomorrow, you tell him don't sleep tonight because maybe you're gonna forget. That you're gonna sleep tomorrow, and then the vow will kick in. Unless he says that that if I sleep tonight, then I'm not allowed to sleep tomorrow. Then we don't worry, according to everyone. We let him sleep tonight, and tomorrow we'll make sure not not to sleep. Okay, that's the Allah. Even though the Gemara spend all this time trying to refute, but the Gemara can't refute it. And therefore, it solidifies the opinion, and that becomes Allah, like a Buddha Mara. Now, Mishnah, someone says to his wife, I'm not allowed to cohabit with you. I vow, I'm prohibited from God. You're not allowed to cohabit with you. The vow is effective. 
You're not allowed to desecrate the word why. He's already committed by biblical law. If you remember, we learn clearly, it says clearly in the passage that he's obligated to make sure to, to give pleasure to his wife. That's his primary obligation as a husband. So how could the, how could another take effect? How could it release him from the obligation? You're already committed. So answers, when he says that I vow that the pleasure that you get from my body, from me personally, is sacred to you. You're not allowed to. He's saying that he doesn't prohibit his wife from him. He prohibits himself from his wife. I am not allowed to benefit from you. I'm not allowed to enjoy you. The benefit of, of being intimate with you is prohibited to me. I'm making a vow. I'm going celibate. I, I'm not allowed to benefit from your body from being intimate with you. He's saying, for me, it's prohibited. I cannot engage in intimacy with you. It's my right. He's not overriding her right. She has a right to intimacy, but he's, 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 he's canceling his own right. He's forbidding himself to benefit from enjoying her. Yeah, it's automatically, of course, if he can't enjoy her, automatically it precludes her rights. But the bottom line is, he has no power. He has no power to, to preclude her. He can't make his body holy to her, but he can make her body holy to him. Talmud Avkan, Avkan says, if a, if, a, if a woman tells her husband, the benefit of my intimacy is, is prohibited to you, we force her to cohabit with him. It doesn't take effect. Because she's under obligation, she's committed to him as part of his marital rights. But if she says, if she tells him, the benefit of your cohabitation is him upon me, she prohibits herself, not him. She doesn't say, my body is prohibited to you. Your body is prohibited to me. Any benefit from you is prohibited to myself. So she's foregoing her own marital rights. Also, even though, even though by definition, then it means the husband loses his rights, but she has a power to, to prohibit herself. It, it applies. Because he can't feed a person something that's prohibited. Since it's prohibited to him, to her, therefore it's prohibited. He says, really, the question of the Gemara is not a question. Because we already learned. Yes, I'm committed. And therefore you can't make a vow, you can't make an oath to override a commitment. That's sign that you're already committed to, 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 to pleasure your wife. But an oath does work. Because an oath is on the object. My body is holy and you can't benefit from me. Yeah. Just like the tefillin. I can't, I can't make Kiddush on wine. The wine is sacred to me. But I have an obligation to make Kiddush. I'm sorry. But I, I can't. It's holy. It's sacred. So what's the question of the Gemara in the first place? So the, so the answer is yes. Biblically, it's really not. But the rabbis, the rabbis reinforced this commitment. The rabbis said that this marriage commitment, they reinforced it. And they said, you don't have a power to deny her, deny her this thing. So that's what the Gemara answers, and he doesn't say, my body is holy to you. His part of the equation, or her part of the equation, he's saying, my pleasure from you, I'm making holy to myself. But he says, my pleasure from you, I'm making holy to myself, I can't benefit. 
I automatically, as a result, you're not getting your part, but there's nothing you can do. I made it sacred, I make it holy. Yeah, but it's like this. If you say up until seven days, you'll play the game. But if it's more than seven days, the rabbis say, we force you to divorce her and you have to pay her up in full. Um, yeah. You, want to, you don't want to? Fine, but you can't live with her. You can't expect her to live with a husband who's not going to take care of her. We continue to have a wonderful day. We'll start the Mishnah tomorrow.